0: Hello readers, my name is Jason Jefferies, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Mike DiCapiti. He is the author of the novel Through the Windshield, the chapbook Sickle Blue, and the short prose collection Radiant Fog. His new book is Jacket Weather, which is published by our friends at Soft Skull Press. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. And first things first, the opening line of this excellent novel. Uh, All that was going through my head from the moment I first picked the book up was uh, Standing on the Corner uh, from Sweet (laughs) Jane, obviously by the Velvet Underground, Uh, Mike was Lou Reed an influence on the novel? And if so, did you intend by choosing uh, this first line to have his voice ringing throughout the novel?
1: I did choose it, and I chose it for that reason. But, you know, there's a lot of songs that begin with that line. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a Hank Williams song that begins with that line. There might be a Jimmy Rogers. That's an old, it just seemed like, it just struck me as a great way to to start a book. And if you're starting a book about New York, then... The obvious um, reference is Sweet Jane. Mm. Lou Reed is not uh, an influence on this book so much as, um, you know, The Velvet Underground and Lou Reed, both very important to me all my life. And so there's sort of something to shoot for, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much, Mike. One thing uh, as a huge fan of literature and a huge fan of music that intrigued me and actually made me pick this novel up was the playlist on the back of the advanced reading copy. Uh, Will this list make it to the final copy? And more generally, what does music mean to you as an author and an artist? And then more specifically, what does it mean to your writing process?
1: the playlist is not going to be on the back of the book. I, I wish it were, that's just something they do on the advanced review copies. Um, mm. as a, you know, way to catch your eye, um, at soft skull, but, uh, and there used to be a lot of lyrics in the, in the book. Um, it just became, it was going to be too expensive to use them all.
0: Mm.
1: So I just cut them all out mm. and, uh, music is supremely important to me. Um, I listen to music while I write, but, but more importantly, I it's, as I said about Lou Reed and about the velvet underground, it's something for me to shoot for. I, you know, the, 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 the things that mean the most to me are, are, you know, my favorite records more than my favorite books. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's something to shoot for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a desert Island album, Mike? One. Yeah. One.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe exile on main street.
0: All right. That's probably a, good one. a lot
1: of people's desert Island records. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe or marquee moon.
0: All right. All right. Yeah. I saw television not too long ago with their most recent lineup. They're still fantastic. Um, Great. Thank you so much. A question, a specific question from the book, Mike. How long could you go unnoticed in a guard box on the Manhattan Bridge?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. Probably about 20 minutes.
0: uh-huh 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 yeah as someone who's unfamiliar with the manhattan bridge could you explain to um me and our listeners what the guard boxes are and do they have cameras on them no no
1: it's just i mean you're referring to a passage in which i'm uh looking at things up close that normally you don't see from up close because i'm on my Mm -hmm. fire escape and it reminds me of also the things that you see going over a bridge that you don't see You know when you're on the ground but if you're driving over the bridge and then you know further musing on these things as places to live you Mm -hmm. know that that you might be able to live up on top of that ledge or in that guard box on the on the manhattan bridge
0: Mm -hmm. yeah right on mike thank you so much um my next question, another question about music. There's a story uh, in this novel about Ray Barreto, someone meeting Ray Barreto in a bathroom where everyone's doing Coke and talking about acid. Uh, my question is twofold. One, for our listeners who may not be aware, who is Ray Barreto? And two, does everyone have a story like this? <laughs> well, you do.
1: You know, you do just sort of run into people in New York. You're surrounded by, you know, by people you've heard of all your life, and you just run into them in a very, um, you know, kind of casual way. And it's not a, it's not really a big deal mm-hmm. um, in the city. Um, anyway, Ray Barreto was is a great um, conga player, um, uh, band leader, who made records during the uh, in the '60s and '70s. Um, I think he was on Fania, the label Mm -hmm. Fania. Um, but anyway, he was a purveyor of the style that they called Boogaloo, which was Mm -hmm. just before salsa. And those records are really like kind of a sound of New York to me, you know, Mm -hmm. those Boogaloo records made by Ray Barreto and Joe Baton and Joe Cuba and all those people in the, um, in the 60s, I guess that really um, sounds like New York to me. That music,
0: right on. And when they're talking about acid, are they talking about the drug, or is that the name of an album?
1: No, there's a there's he made a record, he made a record called Acid. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah,
0: fantastic, but he you made like
1: it, it during the psychedelic era. So, I you know, uh, obviously, it was
0: a double entente, yeah, a pointed reference. Um, Thank you, Mike. Next, uh, could you please tell us about Les Zeppelin, uh, who they are, what they do, and how they are connected to you? Um,
1: well, I met Steph Payne, who who leads the band, mm-hmm. whose band it is. She's the sort of Jimmy Page um, counterpart in, in Les Zeppelin. They're an all-girl band who play all Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met... Her through my partner June who's an old friend of hers mm-hmm. and uh you know it's kind of cool actually to go to go see them you know you wouldn't really I never really thought about going to see one of these cover bands um mm-hmm. I mean bands that play only covers by a specific by a specific act mm-hmm. but uh you know you're just not going to get a chance to hear those songs coming out of a big stack of Marshalls anymore unless you go see them and and they sound awesome. They sound great.
0: Yeah, that's great. There's a few uh Led Zeppelin cover bands out there. I think I stumbled into one playing in a a bar in Key West once. Um it wasn't Led Zeppelin though they were touring at the time I think. Um in the novel, I believe um your friend Steph—is that was that her name? My Yes. Yeah. Was um had everyone quit in the band and she was hiring new members from scratch? Is that something that happens with this cover band?
1: Well, it's something that happened once. I don't yeah. know. I don't think it's happened <laughs> since then. But But it, oh, <laughs> it did happen that one time that she had to cobble together a whole new band on short notice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad she was able to do so. Thank you, Mike. Listeners, we are going to take. A brief break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Mike DiCapiti. The Bookin' Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from Booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L I B R O.fm, and enter Bookin, B O O K I N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Mike DeCapity, author of Jacket Weather, which is published by our friends at Soft Skull Press. Mike, let's next talk about Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. Um, is it indeed okay to like that song now? Everybody seems
1: to love that song, you know, and I... As I wonder in the book, I don't know when that happened, whether that was because that was when we lost all our friends in the soprano, while that song was in the sopranos while that song was playing. Mm. Um, or um, maybe it always was okay to like that song. I never did.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I lived uh, in San Francisco for a time and and it was an anthem for the San Francisco Giants World Series run in 2010 uh, for many reasons, one of which is that Steve Perry and the band are from San Francisco, right? Um, not suburbia as is implied in the story. But um, it does seem like it's okay to like that song now, possibly because of the Sopranos. What do you think, Mike, was the meaning of uh, that tune being played as the Sopranos went black?
1: Oh, I don't think there's any meaning to it. I think it's just a song that they might, that they were likely to have been listening to on a jukebox in New mm-hmm. Jersey. Um, I think it's it perfectly fit the, um, you know, the place and the people in that, in that scene. It was a perfect song to use, you know, and that was sort of one of the cool things about the Sopranos. They were, um, everything about that show was very true to its characters mm-hmm. um and they they didn't uh i don't know i don't i don't know what i was gonna say sorry yeah
0: no that's quite all right you know that finale uh, episode of the sopranos to me was a perfect episode of television and um of course i'm getting excited about the prequel film that will be coming out here in october with james gandolfini's son playing the young tony soprano <laughs> um that should be a good one uh Thank you, Mike. Regarding June, uh, can you talk to us about the thrill of bonding with someone over your mutual appreciation for solitude?
1: Well, when when Mike meets June in the book, he's been on his own and enjoying being on his own Mm -hmm. for a number of years. June is about to go through a divorce and she's looking forward to, to being on her own and to having her life back and to feeling independent and to feeling like the future isn't all spelled out. And, um, so I think that because neither of them is looking for a relationship, um, one is free to develop between mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, they they spend the night talking about how great it is to be on your own and the kinds of the kinds of uh, elation that you can only feel when you're alone in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the next thing you know, they're they're together. The next thing you know, they're both in a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found this to be a masterfully written section of this book when you see these characters who can't stop speaking to one another about um, how much they like being alone. Uh, (laughs) Very interesting and I think very, very true to life. Um, Thank you, Mike. I'm next hoping that you can give our listeners and me uh, an introduction to the band Hot Tuna. Uh, I don't know much, if anything, about Hot Tuna other than their name, but it seems like they are or were the type of band that one makes major life decisions around. Uh, Can you tell us about Hot Tuna?
1: Hot Tuna was a band that June was really crazy about when she was growing up in Brooklyn. They were a San Francisco band in the late 60s that were, um, you know, maybe sort of a precursor to, or maybe they came out of the same scene as The Dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they were playing um, blues. They had a famous guitar player named Yorma Kalkonen mm-hmm. and uh, and June had a you know a thing for those guys as a as a teenager growing up in Brooklyn, and um, so that's where they come in. I, I don't uh, I don't really hear anything about them anymore, but but they were Jorma was touring all through the '70s, and so June had lots and lots of chances to go see him here in New York.
0: Excellent. Do you know, um, is there a certain hot tuna album that we should check out if one are so inclined?
1: (laughs) Yes, but she needs a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I think that first record of theirs is called burgers. It came out in 1972. Uh That, That was a, that was a record that, you know, lots
0: of people had. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'll check that out. And that was slightly after the grateful dead, um, hearkening back to your, to the story about Ray Barreto. When I moved to San Francisco, I, the first people I met were Phil Lesh and Jill Lesh as I was oh, wow. <laughs> filling up their champagne glass at a symphony director's birthday party. Um, but yeah, Hot Tuna never made it onto my radar. Thank you, Mike. Um, have you thought about doing a Spotify playlist or anything like that for this book when it's released?
1: Yeah, I, I made one for okay. the editor of the book. It's called For, for Yuka. Her name is Yuka Igarashi, and um, I made a Spotify playlist called For Yuka. It has a sort of um, abstract painting as its you know, cover or thumbnail mm-hmm. nice. in case there's more than one.
0: Yeah, great. I'll look that up. Thank you so much, Mike. And um, finally, uh, of course, we have barely touched upon the surface of this excellent novel, but we don't want to go too far as we don't want to spoil it for folks. But there is a quote that reads as follows. When you first hear jumping Jack Flash, how long do you need to know what that is? You know what that is. You know it at the first chord, end quote. Mike, I found this to be very well written. Uh, My question is, can you really or should you really draw a correlation between the identification of a genuine human emotion in the early stages of a relationship and the identification of a rock and roll song based on the chords played in the introduction?
1: Well, I think I wasn't talking about identifying the song so much as identifying something of yourself that's in that song. You know, you hear those first chords of that song and you know this is something that that has something to do with you. This mm-hmm. this it it strikes a chord literally in you and uh it resonates with you because it's something that you understand in a you know, in a deep way. You understand that, you know. And uh, it, I mean, if you do, if, it, if it's something that resonates with you, just as you can, you know, you can feel the same way looking at somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on. So I'm getting the impression, Mike, that you are a, a Rolling Stones guy as opposed to a Beatles guy.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And thank you for writing this wonderful book. Listeners, I've been speaking with Mike DeCapity, author of Jacket Weather, which is published by our friends at Soft Skull Press. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jason. Once again, I would like to thank Mike DiCapity for joining me. Copies of Jacket Weather can be ordered from www.quillridgebooks.com with free shipping for members of Reader's Club Plus. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro.fm Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN. It's B-O-O-K-I-N in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.